0: You're listening to the Platte River Bard. We are talking today with Emily Raleigh, who is currently directing Men on Boats, which opens February 23rd at the UNO Theater. We had the pleasure of talking with her about this production, which you won't want to miss.
1: This production, based on a true story of men who were tasked with an exploration in 1869, is being performed by non-binary and female performers. There are many talented individuals working on this production with a challenging set, stage, and lighting design to make this piece come together.
0: And since Emily is visiting us from Washington, we also took the opportunity to have a conversation about her additional specialty as an intimacy choreographer and educator and how the need for this skill has evolved into the theater environment today.
1: Miss Raleigh is an associate faculty member with Theatrical Intimacy Education and has taught classes and facilitated sessions about how to establish a consent-based learning and rehearsal environment.
0: Oars up, get ready for Men on Boats. And
1: join us for a topical and relevant discussion. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Platte River Bard. This is Chris Berger. And I'm Sherry Berger. And we are here today with Emily Raleigh, she is the director of men on boats over at the UNO theater amongst other things and she is uh coming to us via the internet today so uh we are very happy to talk with emily raleigh thank you very much for talking with us
0: welcome thank you i'm
2: so excited to talk with you and share about this very fun show
0: oh yes and it and it it does sound really interesting and it says history reimagined it's not really an actual historical account it's it's an interesting reimagining
2: or reexamination, maybe, of, okay. of history. So okay. the playwright Jacqueline Bacchus, um, when she was found herself enamored of this story of John Wesley Powell and his very unique crew that went through the Grand Canyon um, in 1869 to ostensibly be the first documented white men going through the canyon mm. and okay. trying to get some maps made. They were sanctioned by the government to go on this grand adventure, but they had no idea what they would find. So they headed off into what we now call the Grand Canyon. Um, And the playwright was really enamored by this journey and this sort of hodgepodge collection of explorers and map makers and cooks and such things. Um, But when she was writing it, she also very quickly realized that she was writing a play for actors who were not like her. Mm. Um, that she would never get cast in a play like this. And so she mm. thought, wow, well, that's really interesting. And then also began to think about how history tends to ignore certain voices or overlook certain stories. Sure. Yes. So she put specifically in the casting notice that all of these roles would historically have been cis white men, but the sure. casting should specifically not be that. So it should all be okay. women, femme trans non-binary gender fluid uh actors in these roles okay. so it is the story of powell taken a lot from his journals but also then with very contemporary language to sort of bring together the today with the past oh, okay. um, yeah and we see the actors embody these characters but they are women femme uh non-binary actors okay. in these very cis white male roles so yeah. it's
1: really
0: interesting yeah. in that
2: relationship yeah
1: especially if you're keeping a lot of the dialogue very similar and all that and and yeah for sure so nothing
0: so nothing like the 1960 disney film called 10 who <laughs> who dares so nothing like that maybe, necessarily. Not, maybe not so much disney. or the graphic novel that uh was written yeah. by nathan yeah. hale
1: right now probably not
0: mm-hmm. so this probably is just not. a complete different retake in a in play form that's great
1: yeah a period piece but not a period good sort of contemporarily done yes yeah Yeah.
0: (laughs) so what was your biggest challenge then to bring this to the stage it wasn't necessarily the casting then I mean um I as
2: a director I find myself often directing plays with casts that are gender fluid or all women or female identified um so i I lean in that direction just as a director um so that part is super interesting to me and kind of in the wheelhouse i think what's challenging is twofold one is to find that right mix between the contemporary and the past so in the costume design we've talked a lot about how it's Historical costumes, but with little hints of contemporary fabrics, so we see the way that the the time periods kind of come together. And then the second challenging piece is staging
0: rapids in a theater without oh, water. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. And m- maybe perhaps that's where the the really talented Stephen Williams comes into <laughs> into play there at U N. Absolutely, <laughs> designer, <laughs> yes, indeed. So you're going to do it a lot with lights and stage. Um, pieces and, probably. Yeah. and and movement so we've been doing a lot Ooh. there's
2: there's seven rapid scenes overall over the course of the play oh each rapid scenes tells us a little bit more about the characters and the dynamic of the journey um, and so Stephen has created a, a beautiful set um, and then B sort of representative boats um, that the actors can then maneuver and they're just a piece of the boats right. to give us the sense of rafting mm-hmm. down the river uh, without having to like put giant boats but on stage right. boat or, there, yeah but yeah or create a water feature
0: uh, oh right yeah, yes, but they're probably still good sized boats to give you just kind of the the um, just the feeling yeah yeah right yeah. or
2: they're they're representative so we just get the first like beginning front end of the boat and I they're see. light enough that one actor can navigate them yeah. while the rest of them imagine paddling in some capacity mm-hmm. um, and they're not they, they sort of have see-through slats so we're getting the sense of deconstructed history oh. through that visual aesthetic Neat. and yet are malleable and movable because they do move a lot
1: wow <laughs> yes.
0: wow that sounds like quite a bit of work
1: that's cool with I enjoy set. that
0: Fantastic. How did how did you how did you get the, those plans? Did it change much from the suggested plans that came with the script or how did you get those reimagined?
2: It was a conversation throughout the design process in terms of how do we theatricalize this historical yet contemporary story yeah. and make it creative on stage so the audience gets a sense of it without Rooting ourselves too much in like the reality of yeah. it, um, and so we talked a lot about the the way the play in some ways deconstructs or reimagines history just by putting different bodies in those roles. And as part of that deconstruction, or um, what we discovered as part of our process, this idea of counter mapping the ways that the geographical maps that we look at those are one particular way of looking, but there's a whole field that looks at counter maps, that looks at how indigenous people have used land or where more social cultural patterns happen. And so we thought mm-hmm. about this play as kind of a, a moment of, of counter mapping um, and what does that do to deconstruct stories? So then how does that theatrical deconstructed view also come into the aesthetic? And the boats were part of that. Mm-hmm. So they're slightly deconstructed. Um, yeah. There's a moment with a snake puppet um, and so we still see the puppeteer, but we also can imagine snake. So oh, it, it lets us yeah. sit within that. We know we're
0: in a play. Right. We know that
2: this isn't a documentary, right? But there's also things to take from it. So it's that deconstructed view.
0: Wow. So and and I'm just thinking of the UNO theater um, stage there too. It's kind of almost a circle. It's 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 almost a circle. So you've got people who are going to be on the side. There, there's going to be some side people. So was that a challenge too, that how you could integrate that into people being able to see that part of the stage?
2: We have definitely spent time bopping around the audience to yeah. make sure that there are sight lines or you can see some element of the action, even if you don't see it all. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's in a modified thrust. So there are moments where it feels a little more proscenium, that kind of picture frame format, but then there yes. are audience just on the side edges So thinking about the actors cheating out a little bit and finding ways to block so that they're off each other's shoulders so people can see things regardless of where they're seated. So we have been playing with that a lot. Um, And there's 10 actors that are on stage for most of the show. So wherever you're seated, you can see something and someone doing something in relation to the action, even if it's not the person Mm -hmm. who's speaking in that moment, we can still see how the ensemble co-creates that world
0: so the story itself obviously we don't really know what happened during the expedition I mean there's there is a book about it but but is this kind of also the play it's, it has changed the story somewhat
2: I think it is taken moments from the journals and what we know of the journals because Powell was a copious journaler mm. um, and several of his crew also left journals okay and so they've taken elements of that And these are moments as they move down the the Colorado River Mm -hmm. into the Grand Canyon and out the other end. So they've taken those moments, but then, of course, we can never know exactly Mm -hmm. what the interactions were. Um, And there's some really great questions. Um, At one point, right before they leave the end of the canyon, some of their their number leave the troop. and so we don't know why, mm-hmm. but Jacqueline Backus begins to make some connections about what might have prompted them to leave in that moment. So there's absolutely some fictionalizing, filling in, sure, and yeah. some yeah. changes for dramatic effect, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. But they are moments from the actual journey, and then she's created the story around mm-hmm. them and the relationships around mm-hmm. them, which are sure. lovely and complicated and... Nice. As charged as you would imagine if you were not sure if you would live or die going down the Grand Canyon. Right um, Yeah. And with a, a group of ten other humans for three months at a time.
0: Yes. Because this wasn't just the expedition, you know, just happening necessarily. The boat sank or something at, at some point. So yeah. so they were they were stuck where they were, basically is what I was trying to say. <laughs>
2: yeah. They yeah. went down the river in four four boats and at one point they lose one boat it gets completely demolished um, in several other instances boats overturn they have to salvage them oh. so they end up coming through at the end with two boats of the four that they started with wow. um, and if you we watched videos in rehearsal of rafters admittedly in rubber rafts contemporary rubber rafts <laughs> but going through the rapids and the canyon and even that was significant yeah. So, to imagine these explorers doing it in wooden boats, wooden boats. that were not created for that work, no, <laughs> right? No, was at
0: all. even vastly different. Yeah, it's fascinating. And then to find some dry paper to write it all down on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Somehow they kept right? all their How journals dry. That? <laughs> That's
0: amazing. That is yes. amazing. Yeah, yes. it is amazing. <laughs> really. So you're not from here too. This is, this is, you are a visitor, which. To the Omaha
1: area. Yes. yes. Which,
0: as I said before, welcome to Nebraska. (laughs) (laughs) Is this your first time in Nebraska? I was in Nebraska years ago in Omaha.
2: Not enough to remember much of it at all. Right. Um, but I have a dear colleague who's here and made the connection, um, and I grew up in Minnesota, and I did my
0: PhD in Missouri, oh, okay. so I mm-hmm. know the Midwest. You've got the Midwest. But Nebraska out.
2: and Omaha's new.
0: To, you come to us from Washington State? Central Washington Central. University. Do you teach theater there? I do, yeah.
2: I teach in our acting, directing, and um, theater history programs, as well as in women's gender and sexuality studies.
0: Oh, wonderful. And that is the, the other thing that I thought we should talk about is that you are an intimacy director quite often as well and I, I assume that you probably also teach that or is that something that people can do take in school now
2: yeah well, yeah. yeah sort of we folded into all of our our processes um and I had the good fortune of teaching a workshop here at UNO to share some of those tools that we're, we're using from intimacy across mm-hmm. our production processes um mm-hmm. The actors in Men on Boats, as part of our work as an ensemble, I introduced some of those things and tools. So it informs everything that I do. Um, and I teach a lot of workshops. Um, I'm also an associate faculty member with Theatrical Intimacy Education, oh, wow. which is one of the two big intimacy organizations in the country about um, and around theatrical intimacy so I teach for them and do all sorts of workshops with that. I teach my own workshops, and then it informs all of the artistic practice oh, as well.
0: Wow. That's great. Well, we will have to put some of your information in the show notes for people to to be able to access you and, and some of your resources. So I know the intimacy, the intimacy director, I've only heard about it just the last few years. I'm sure it's been around longer than that. Mm-hmm. How Do you know how it began? Did it begin off of movies or TV first and then into theater? Or how did it work? That is a fabulous question. Um,
2: (laughs) It it's People have been doing this work for many years in a lot of different capacities. So um, often a lot of Black, female-identified and queer um, theater creators were thinking about communities of care in the rehearsal space. So there have been folks in theater and in film doing this work under auspices that are not intimacy director, intimacy choreographer, intimacy coordinator forever. Um, Arguably about 2006-ish, some of the the key names in the field started to actually begin to put the words to it. often coming out of fight and fight choreography yeah. and recognizing that often fight choreographers were also being asked to stage intimate moments of fight mm. and then beginning to think about how those things were the same, but also require different things. And what if we actually thought about a community of care across the process, not just in the world of fight or specific to staged intimacy, right. because arguably all of our work is somehow intimate. Yeah. Um, so it developed and has been very quickly developing, so much so in the past probably 10 years, mm-hmm. but people have been doing it a long time. So the question of like, how does it start?
0: I don't know. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, it was just organic. It, evolved. it just is. Yeah, yeah, yeah it
0: evolved. Yeah, organically evolved. Yeah. Do you find that there's any reluctance for directors to want to use an intimacy director, or is it more a matter of cost, or just more a matter of being willing or not willing? Yes,
2: and Um, it depends on the collaborator, right? Um, The field is changing so rapidly and more and more people and places are employing intimacy directors, um, intimacy choreographers, intimacy coordinators on film and screen. Um, So many people are employing them. However, because the field is changing and it is a way of, of foregrounding actor agency, um, honoring people's boundaries and understanding the vast array of ways we can stage a story. There is some moments of that's not how we've done it. So we have to wrap our heads around these new or slightly new approaches Mm -hmm. or different approaches than what some people may have been trained to expect. Mm -hmm. So there's a shift culturally in the field that's happening, um, that is fascinating and exciting, but it also then means that if people don't have training or don't know of these shifts, mm-hmm. then there's there's some education that goes around with it. Okay. I personally haven't had pushback to that work. In fact, it's been more embraced because nice. many directors aren't taught how to do those things. So it's yeah. their response is, please <laughs> come and stage this. Yeah. Yeah, help us with this.
0: Right. Um,
2: so it's been quite lovely, but it is a reframing often of traditional hierarchical power dynamics that exist in rehearsal spaces or in classroom spaces so we're asking ourselves to unpack some of those power dynamics Mm -hmm. and ask some questions about it which are necessary and have been wonderfully illuminating but it does ask us to pause and think about it Um, sometimes you you mentioned cost too there is a cost of bringing someone else on the team However, most of the times I've found when I've been brought on as an intimacy director specifically, the director's been so grateful because it's one less thing that they have to yeah. really keep their yeah. eyes on. You have another person who does it. Um, and so that opens up the door but also recognizing we should compensate artists for their work. So that balance becomes key.
0: Mm -hmm. Exactly. But it's great that you can also direct as I mean, you're also a director as well, just on, just on the the regular director level, and then you get to add this into it. So what made you decide to specialize into intimacy direction? Did you have an experience? Did you see an experience or what made you want to do it? That's a fabulous question. I would argue that I've
2: probably been doing this in some capacity a long time. Way back in high school, and we're not going to talk about when that was, <laughs> but back in high school, uh, I was part of a, a performance troupe, and we did a, a play that was called Touch, and it was a overarching project called Project Trust. And we essentially went into elementary schools and performed these scenes about what people used to call good touch, bad touch, mm-hmm. um, so that... Elementary students had a sense of where they could have boundaries and what that looked like, and helped them process those things, which was profoundly impactful as a high school student. But I also remember as part of that process talking through, perhaps intuitively as an ensemble, about cool, how do we stage this but also honor our boundaries yeah. as
1: uh, sure, collaborators. Yeah.
2: Right. So it was embedded there without knowing what it was or specifically calling it out. And then throughout my career, I've done a lot of and found myself in a lot of feminist and queer spaces where we're thinking about the power dynamics where we're also honoring the embodied performance elements so i spent some time running a performance troupe in missouri that was called the troubling violence performance project and we performed gifted stories from survivors of intimate partner violence as a way to generate conversation around what the complexity of that is and so in that work there is a whole sense of consent-based Process that informed that, but we didn't know what that's what it was. We were just taking care of the performers. So it's kind of been part of my career um, in a lot of different ways. So when I had opportunities to do training and encounter the work of intimacy direction specifically, it just felt like a natural intuitive alignment to my own aesthetic and approach as a creator and as a teacher. So I kind of found my way into it. And then connected with Theatrical Intimacy Ed. And that has opened up so many different facets of the training and of the work. And then connecting with a bunch of different colleagues across the country, across the world. Um, There's regional collectives now cropping up. So I'm one of the founding members of the Pacific Northwest Theatrical Intimacy Collective. Mm. Which is really just a bunch of us who do the work in the same area Mm -hmm. that want to not do it alone. Yeah, right. (laughs) So conversations have evolved. But it's been a sort of natural process as part of my work that is just deeply interesting in terms of how do we create ensemble in the room that is equitable and inclusive for everyone in the room and not just the folks who have and exist in positions of privilege where they feel like they can honor their boundaries or they can say no to things because as much as a collaborative director wants to say you can tell me no dear actor there's power in that space yeah. that makes that hard. So how do we create yeah. structures that allow us all to partake? So it's really crucial, I think, to Ensemble and the work we do. But I've found my way into intimacy direction. And I love telling these stories of intimacy that aren't always what people expect.
0: Hmm.
2: Yeah. Because we think about yeah. intimacy as kisses or simulated intercourse on stage and oh, yeah. we do. so many other things. Yes. That you know we can stage, and so that part is really exciting. To say, well, what are the ten ways we can stage this and tell that story, mm-hmm, and then ways. we can co-create it with the actors, with the people in the space, which is really cool.
0: So, because I was going to ask you, like, what type of plays you know call for it? How how does a how does a director know? But really, it's it could be any of them. Often, yeah, yeah,
2: any kind
1: of relationship.
0: Some yet? of them have. Yeah,
2: it can be just a relationship. It depends yeah. on the, what the director brings into the space. <clears throat> yeah. some have much more specific needs. Like Spring Awakening, the musical has some specific mm-hmm. choreographed intimacy needs. I've staked a lot of kisses in you know musicals like Holiday Inn and others. For so sure. those are more specific skills. But I've a lot of companies will have someone come in on any show
0: mm-hmm. just
2: to consult. And sometimes it's much more in-depth in the room. We need to stage more complicated moments as well. So it varies vastly, the work that we're called in for. Though usually the first entry point is something more significant. Yeah. And the director's like, wow, right. I don't even know what to do with that. Right.
0: <laughs> that would be really difficult. It, yeah.
1: I, I bet it can be. I bet it can be. But yeah. uh, but it, it, I, I think it's needed, especially for a lot of stuff. Um, like you said, a lot of directors aren't, aren't just they're yeah they're like help what do i do with this how do i make this you know look look like it's supposed to look and Mm -hmm. a lot of times we don't know what those little simple little cues and actions and little bits of behavior are because they're we see them every day but when someone like an intimacy director points them out you're like oh yeah I do that with my significant other or what, you know, and it's like, yeah.
0: And a person who. And there are all these
1: silent signals that tell the audience, oh, well, they're together or or they have a special relationship or there's something more going on there that we see it every day. So we don't know.
0: But that's probably for for people who are not if, if I mean, depending on what it's being staged, but if they're of another orientation, then they find it. More difficult to to make it look realistic or to be comfortable in that realism. Yes, yeah. in order to yeah, because that would be challenging if you sure. have to do a scene with someone that's a different orientation than you.
1: Sure, and how to show sort of yeah natural uh, comfort with that. And mm-hmm. do you ever get sort of the opposite of of um, how to show um, people who are who are not in a good relationship with each other other than just the lines
2: oh sure yeah Yeah. Uh, yeah. that's part of intimacy too right exactly how do you show that even
1: the lines they may say something their body language and how they react to each other are are not they're saying something else yeah very yes yeah it's very interesting
0: yeah and i know i know it's not always like kissing and stuff it's not always sexual I know it can be Mm -hmm. other other Mm -hmm. things violence and just regular um, intimacy but do you ever come across people who are just like you know what I am not kissing this person until opening night (laughs) (laughs) like do you ever have something I'm not I'm not touching this person there I'm not kissing this person I'm not doing this one thing until opening night because I don't want to have to do this Every night for the next four weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and That's rehearsal. exactly why there's
2: choreography, right? Like we, can, we choreograph it so it works for everybody's boundaries. And with kisses in particular, we have a tool or technique called a placeholder, which is how we actually choreograph the kiss before we actually put faces on each other. Yeah. So we know what it looks like. We know how that operates. And then you can use the placeholder... Or in pl- replace it with the kiss, depending on where the actors are on a given night, oh. anytime up until performance. So, like, we could stage it. And then if I come in and I'm sniffly, wow, let's use the placeholder today because I don't want you to get sick. Right. It's the same storytelling. It just gives us another option to do it. So if you get into those moments of, I, I don't know that this is ready, right? right. Um, or I'm not in a space tonight to do that. That's totally okay. And we can adjust it. There's usually a moment sometime before the first crew view where we need to make sure we've experienced it for the first time. Cause the last thing you need is to have an audience in the space to experience a kiss for the very first time yeah. with your scene partner. Hey. yeah. But you know, it's that's the choreography is to also make sure we both agree as scene partners to what we're doing. Sure. So gone are the days of just go figure it out or <laughs> right, yeah. we just feel it. It's, We know that this is a a four count kiss at this level of touch. We're going to be able to do it every night and I don't have to love you. My character has to love your character, but I don't
0: like I'm doing my job. So it helps with that. Yeah. 100%. So that placeholder, is that just for, for a kiss? Would it just be like you get a certain distance from the other person and that's, are you saying that's your placeholder? You're just like, you're kind of there, but you're not doing the whole thing.
2: The actual placeholder becomes putting your palms together. So you and your scene partner connect. So we know there's a moment of touch. There's a moment of connection. And then we can choreograph as if your palms are the faces. So we know who's closing the distance, who's responding. How does that look? So then when they get, they can actually get close, but their faces don't touch, their palms touch. We can get a sense of what that moment looks like. There's still connection, but we're not actually putting lips on lips right. all the time, which right. is super helpful for tech because I don't need to, if we're changing a cue, mm-hmm. kiss my scene partner 25 times until right. we get the cue right. Right. We can place hold it and tell that story,
0: and it's amazing. Exactly. <laughs> yes, yes, Oh, wow. I w- how many other techniques are there?
1: <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot. <laughs>
0: So many, so many,
2: (laughs) but they're all meant to be so accessible. So you can just fold them into your practice and make it deloaded. So it's also not sexualized, right? So Mm -hmm. we're not talking about a scene with a slang term that makes everyone a little bit like uncomfortable. We can talk about it as act one, scene four. We all know what happens there. We can talk about this as technique and it just really helps the actors honor their boundaries And recognize that they are actors who are doing a fabulous job, but it's a job, rather than having to live in heightened emotional states all the time. So it's a great technique to add to the toolbox, and it helps. Part of my job I think of as a translator, as an intimacy director, Mm -hmm. is translating what the director's hoping for the story, what the playwright's intending, into the actor's boundaries so we can still tell the story yeah, in that yeah, way
0: for sure these techniques are actually kind of i'm sorry did you want to say something? no go for it man. these techniques are actually really interesting for just an actor who maybe is in a situation where they're not going to bring in an intimacy director they don't have the bandwidth for it they don't have whatever for whatever reason right, yeah so it's good that they can say well instead can i do this you know, but then that kind of takes away from, you well, know see, I, I the love, need of having yeah. one. but it's it's good to have a few in their toolbox so that they could say, "Look, I'm not comfortable. Can I do this thing?"
1: I like that it's becoming more of a thing because it's always been one of my pet peeves in movies in theater and TV when you're watching people who are supposed to have a relationship and you just don't you don't feel it. it. And, and it happens a yeah. lot, and I find it happens. Uh, and it's and it's so e- and it's easier to see in live theater for some reason. It's easier to spot. I probably we all, we're all in the same room, and and it's all the little stuff, and it's all like okay, well, and it's always been a pet peeve, and 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 it makes a big difference, especially if you're telling a story where the, you know the relationship is the story well, because
0: then, then the and review- I'm not
1: buying it oh you you killed it
0: yeah because then yeah. the person who's watching it or reviewing it goes away and goes wow you know those people
1: I those mean good people acting didn't, but
0: didn't do it at all. they didn't do it didn't well at all it. they didn't the casting was off or you know
1: and I and I love that, <laughs> yeah. that we're getting that even just for and that's like a lot of performances is like can we you know because there's there's so many little things that, that, that we all see that we know Mm-hmm. when we look at them oh okay well they're they're they they have a relationship or whatever by the way they react to each other and act around each other and and like yeah we don't see it
0: well and you would think that but that's
1: why the intimacy directors i love it because yeah. they're like no no because you think about what you do and why you do it and it's like oh okay yeah 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 Interesting. I do do that, don't I? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now do that around your fellow actor and now it'll look like you got, you know, you you guys are have a relationship or whatever. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well I suppose the spouse of the person would probably or partner would would like would appreciate that as well. Yeah, but <laughs> it's, it's true though. Yeah. It is. It yeah. Is. yeah. No, Yeah. Being... for sure. Yeah. Yep. Because I wasn't comfortable with it when he was kissing on stage for the first time, and you would think I would be because of what he does as a pir- as a performing pirate and and all the shenanigans that have happened in that um, Renaissance fair world. Um, but <laughs> when he first started kissing people, I was like, "Oh my gosh, I don't like this is so weird." <laughs> as a spouse, it's just too. so weird. Yeah. Um, and now I don't think that much mm-hmm. about it.
1: No, and now it's. Um, <laughs>
0: But yeah. I, I don't. Yeah. I, I think the only time I would feel weird about it, and I know that I know that this is not just kissing, but I, I'm just talking about that, okay, or right. anything like that. here, sure, sure. is if the person the the person who was he was with mm-hmm. wouldn't talk to me like outside of you know rehearsal. Oh, like if like like I'm, I'm there and they don't say hello to me or they don't acknowledge me, I think that would be weird as a spouse, and I would that be would like, be okay. That would be weird. Now I'm now I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, that would be weird. <laughs> if you smile at me and say hello and we talk, we chat just for a little while, then I'm comfortable. Yeah. But if you
1: yeah, yeah. if you ignore me, weird. then I think it's weird. If they all like avoid you and stuff. <laughs> yeah. That would be weird.
0: I know it's not about. But it's the job, but, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It is. But it is right. Like mm-hmm. it's
2: a job. I don't have to love my scene partner. We can go home to our respective families and yeah. be yeah. ourselves. Yeah. And I think what you brought up too is also in addition to like staging that what i would call the breadcrumbs of the relationship like this is why as an intimacy director specifically i love to be in the room the whole time
1: yeah
2: because we can lay those breadcrumbs yeah. it's also then useful for actors to think about how is this character's intimate interactions different from my own as a human because mm. i don't have to rely on my own experience right because we're staging the characters and that's where having an intimacy professional there to help make that distinction is super useful because then it's, it's, it's not the same experience. You don't have to bring your own lived experience there. We can create it for the character and make sure it's still clear and specific. So like, that's the other piece of it Mm -hmm. that, that Uh is important too.
0: Right. So what's the most challenging situation where you just, you were having trouble getting it to the point where it was where you wanted it is. I mean, does it with these placeholders and other techniques, th- is it always usually pretty smooth? Or has there ever been a time that you're just like, nope, that didn't work. Let's try this other thing. Nope, that didn't work. Let's try this other thing.
2: <laughs> I think that's rehearsal every that- day. <laughs> it's, it's,
0: it's called rehearsal. Is that called rehearsal?
2: <laughs> this is why we rehearse. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, not, yeah. it doesn't
0: always work the first time, necessarily.
2: No. Mm-hmm. I usually go in with my brain having four or five like options of how this might look mm-hmm. and then the conversations with the actors to be like, what are your characters doing in this moment? What does this moment look like in the storytelling? And then we can stage it with the actor's boundaries, the knowledge they have that is deep knowledge of their characters and my ideas in the way that I translate. So all of those come together in the space. So it's never the first time that um, I walk in, and I'm like, this is exactly what it will be. Right? No, yeah. it's a conversation of rehearsal, <laughs> oh. and there's moments where an actor's like, my, my arm doesn't. I don't know what to do with it. Cool, um, let's figure it out. Yeah. So it is specific and clear, and you don't have that that level of I have no idea what I'm doing in this moment. But mm-hmm. you are are confident in the technique, the blocking, and then you can layer on the character actions over the top of it. So oh. yeah, it's never perfect the first time.
0: Oh, okay. It's often a lot of fine-tuning
2: um but there's always ideas and places to start that get us into the process for sure
0: so this is this really is helpful if directors have this kind of training as well or if you know if they they don't have access to someone you know like you can who can come from Washington and and do this so so is this something that um someone can take classes and become some kind of certification in it I I didn't look that up so I'm sorry I don't know I have to ask (laughs) It's a fabulous I was going to Google that, and, and I didn't Google it. Yeah. <laughs> People ask all the
2: time. Um, there's lots of organizations, especially now, that do classes, many of which are online, so they're readily accessible, cool. which perhaps was the gift of COVID, if I can even yeah. dare to dream that perhaps it's gifted us. Yes. Right. right. I know. Right? The accessibility of that is is useful, and some classes are also in person, but there's an accessibility factor of being able to just jump online and get some training. So theatrical intimacy, Ed, I just taught a workshop on Sunday for them with best practices, foundational things. There's a, a Canadian society, national society of intimacy professionals working out of Canada that does online workshops, intimacy directors and coordinators does online workshops. Intimacy Coordinators of Color, who's run by Ann James, does amazing online workshops. So there's lots of training available. And then with the training, of course, the practice of being in the room to know what that's like. And there's not... It's interesting you ask about certification. Uh, Because the field is so new, there's a lot of questions around certification versus qualification. Mm. And there's not one governing body that can determine a larger certification for the field and if we think back to the fact that people have been doing this for a long time without any sort of like piece of paper Mm -hmm. it seems challenging to ask them to like go through a process of they've already developed those tools Mm -hmm. so in a lot of our, our conversations there are organizations that do certify within their own structure And then there's a lot of folks in the field that simply are advocating, like show your qualifications, Mm -hmm. show your cultural competencies to work on this particular piece Mm -hmm. and do the work and do it ethically and with the most knowledge possible so that the goal is to create a better field and to create a better experience. So how can we do that? And there's lots of training. And so it's, it's a matter of finding the training doing some of the work and then thinking about the right path. So if certifications your path with, you know, the organization that certifies cool, if that's not your path, be qualified regardless in the work that you do. So yeah. it's an interesting moment to talk yeah. about certification for sure.
0: Right. But lots
2: of training opportunities. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. 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 And that that's so great. And are you doing training independently then as well or are you just doing them with certain organizations?
2: Yeah, I teach with Theatrical Intimacy Ed. I'm associate faculty with them, so a lot of great collaboration there. And then often, as part of my freelance life, we'll do some freelance work. So here at UNO, I did a workshop for the students and faculty about how to incorporate consent-based stuff in their work. Um, I've done a lot of work lately with interdisciplinary consent-based structures, so not just theater. Mm -hmm. And I work with a lot of directors around how to bring consent-based practice into the directorial process as well. So I do stuff on my own also with theatrical intimacy. Ed just kind of depends on how it, it comes my way. So
0: I I would think for any aspiring director and even my, I'm not a director, but I would even be interested if you're doing something uh, virtually, I can't come to Washington, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> although I love Washington. You could come to Washington. I love well, Washington. we could.
1: Yes, I've never been. I
0: I'd used to, to go grow. quite often. Yeah. yeah, I'm so glad that you're here. And I'm so glad that I had no idea that this was this big of a, a thing. I mean, I knew like, it it's happened in movies and stuff, but I yeah. didn't realize that it actually had kind of incorporated itself into it's theaters. Growing. And I, I'm really thankful to be able to have the conversation and talk about it. And,
1: and, and a lot of people are uh, experimenting, doing things differently now.
0: Mm-hmm. and
1: and and still, yes, you need the intimacy director
0: mm-hmm. because
1: the plays themselves and human relationships don't change. And it's such a big pet peeve of mine to see relationships that don't look real. Yes. When, when, when the words are telling me that they are. You know what I mean?
0: You've I now love, learned the placeholder, sir. I
1: love the intimacy director position. I think it's wonderful <laughs> and so needed.
2: <laughs> advocate for them more
0: I'm, I'm on board with that yeah. yeah me too absolutely help
1: me quite a bit
0: wonderful gosh I just learned a lot thank you so much for <sighs> taking the time and talking with us and so fun to meet just creatives and especially somebody who's just coming to Nebraska and we get to learn all about you which I always feel is very exciting yes. to learn about new people new with people. with these great talents that I didn't even know existed so I'm, I'm really thankful for the chance to, to meet you and to chat about this.
1: Yes. And, of course, we can't can't fail to uh, remind oh, everybody. Yeah. Yes yeah. do that. She is, in fact, directing.
0: Yes, she is. Men on Boats
1: at UNO. <laughs>
0: February 23rd through March 3rd.
1: That's right. She is the director for that project. And uh, that is upcoming very soon. And uh, we wish her all the success with that. Thank you for coming yes. and talking with us. Uh, over the old internet.
0: Yes, thank you so much.
2: Thank you. Oh, so glad to be here. Thank you so very much. It was a delight, and I hope you get to see the show.
0: Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Men on Boats opens February twenty third and runs through March
0: fifth. For tickets and more information, go to uno theater t h e a t r e dot com.